Hi there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of Farm Equipment's podcast series, Our Dealer Story. This episode takes us to Madison, Minnesota to talk with Chris Lund, President of Lund Implement. Chris is the third generation owner of the single store Echo dealership, which started off as an Alice Chalmers dealership. Chris's grandfather had worked at the dealership and bought it when the owner became ill in the 1950s. Today, Chris, along with his father, Don, and his uncle, Dennis, run the business. Before we head over to Chris, I wanted to thank our sponsor, HBS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. Let's jump into the conversation with Chris sharing the story of how his family ended up owning the dealership and his early memories of being in the store with his grandfather. Chris, to start off, can you just share with us how your grandfather first got involved in the business? My grandpa Clifford Lund worked for the Alice Chalmers dealer in Madison in the 50s, and he bought the dealership in 1955. And at that time, they were an Alice Chalmers dealer and New Idea, I believe, farm equipment. And then shortly thereafter, they took on Gleaner combines. I think that was maybe the time when Alice Chalmers bought Gleaner is when he started selling Gleaner. So Alice Chalmers and Gleaner, you know, Gleaner especially has been one of our product lines since the late 50s. When he bought the dealership, was the owner retiring? Was The The owner got sick. Okay. Deathly ill. And then uh, he was a little hesitant if he should do what he did, but uh, I think he loved what he did. Uh, He loved the relationships he made with his customers. And so he decided to purchase the dealership then. Do you know how long he had been working there at that point? Wasn't that terrible long, maybe five, six years, something like that. And he was primarily parts. So that is a pretty big (laughs) big switch. And at that time, when I think he bought the dealership, he paid 20,000 for it. Wow. And at that time, the dealership was located downtown Madison. You know, back in those days, most of the dealerships were just off of Main Street or Mm-hmm. or in town. And I think one of the primary reasons why he was there, it was it was along the rail. So the equipment came in from the east on rail and the dealership was located right on the rail tracks. Okay, so they could pretty much Basically unload it unload right there. Basically unload and park it. So he was there downtown Madison until 1970 and then they moved to this location then. When did your father get involved in the business? My dad, Donnie, and my uncle, Dennis. They're three years apart. Dennis is younger by three years. They both, Dennis, I think, started right out of high school, and Donnie was in the service, and he came back. So I think they both started around that 19, early 70s. Yeah, 1973, 74. I was born in 73, and I wasn't here then. It's shortly thereafter that, 74, 75, maybe. And Dennis has been in the parts department since then and did some selling and my dad has been in sales that entire time until well i've done most of the sales the last 15 years so he probably did sales for 40 years and and i've been doing it the last 15 years yeah we were talking to him uh while we were waiting for you and he said now he's a retired consultant that's right (laughs) yeah he he still has a lot of responsibilities in the dealership okay you know there's things that he does that I don't necessarily want to do, and he's happy doing it. So yeah. as long as he wants to do it, that's great. Yeah. yeah. What what kind of stuff would is he uh, still like doing? the settlements with the manufacturers? You know, he kind of takes care of our insurance. You know, keeps track of that. You know, 
a lot of paperwork. And then just to be here to answer the phone if I'm out in the country is, is important. Because he's still fairly knowledgeable on the equipment and what we have on hand and the pricing and, and that sort of thing. When, when did he semi-retire? Sounds like it's more semi-retired. <laughs> he, I bought the dealership from my uncle and dad um, about a year and a half ago. So that's when he officially retired. Dennis is still here full time. But he has mentioned that he'll probably work through this year's harvest and then retire. What sort of memories do you have from those early days in the in the seventies as a kid here? Were sure. you were you around the dealership as a kid? I was around here a lot. I grew up and I still live to this day just a couple hundred yards from the store. Especially in the summertime in the mornings I'd walk over and just kinda hang around. My grandpa was semi retired at that time, so I spent a lot of time with him. You know, and he still Loved being around the store as well. So, you know, we we do deliveries together, you know, run a lot of equipment together, do demos together. So I learned a lot, even at a young age, you know, yeah. before I was even 15 years old, I was driving a combine out to a farmer's place by town or a yeah. tractor or, or things like that. So a lot of his customers, I'm dealing with their grandkids today. So, I mean, we're a three generation dealership as well as our, our customers, our yeah. three-generation farmers. And uh, we've got customers we've been dealing with since the 50s. Yeah. So are some of those customers, you know, kids you grew up with? Yep. I grew up in Madison, went to school in Madison. So a lot of my friends were farmers. So, you know, so besides selling them equipment, we have relationships right. besides, besides work. When did you um, sort of start in an official capacity at the dealership? I started in uh, in 1992. I, w- I graduated in 91, went to a two-year college, came back and, and started full-time in 1992. At that time, I worked in the shop, uh, primarily on corn planters and combines. And then in about 2002, I moved to the sales position and I've been selling equipment ever since. How have things changed, maybe from the 70s, not so much from the 50s, but from the um, 70s to now? I would say the, the biggest change is the uh, the demand is greater by our customers. Yeah. Just because they're farming more, the window is smaller. Because they're farming more, they got to get a lot more done in a small amount of time. Yeah. So that And, and it's not their fault, it's just the way things are. Just the, the demand of our customers has... And I, I shouldn't really say demand either. It's, I don't know what the word would be for it, but... Uh, expectations. The expectations. That's probably better a better term. Yeah. Um, and it just comes with the territory. They're farming more. And like I said, their window is tighter mm-hmm. because of our geographic location. You know, when we start harvest, especially, you know, we haven't started it yet. And it's what, the 9th, 18th of September. We probably won't start till the first week in October. We could have full-blown winter the first week of November. Basically, our year is, our harvest season is done then until spring. And, and so they're under a lot of pressure yeah. to get things done. And, and with margins as, as they are, rightfully so, you know, because their bottom line is affected on how efficient they are in getting the crop in. Going back to some of the, the history, was there, was there ever a time where you weren't sure if you were going to, this is what you were going to be doing with your life? <laughs> Or it... <laughs> almost every day, <laughs> but no, 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 I shouldn't say that. No, it, all in all, I've never had any regrets. You know, there's 
good days and then there's always bad days, but right. that's with which with, with whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So all in all, it's been it's been very gratifying. I I enjoy what I do. I I love the relationships with my customers. Um, I feel like when I sell them something, they're they're not only buying the product, they're buying from our our dealership, right? Just because of who we are and and how we do things. And you know, a lot of the credit goes to our employees. Without them, I mean, we would never be here today. Yeah. I mean, they're they're great bunch of people, and I can't say enough about them. Do you have any siblings that have been in the business, or any cousins, or anything like that? I have not. Okay, so you're. I have not, but the generation before me had a lot of relationships. My uncle Dennis, his brother-in-law works in parts. Okay. To this day. Okay. And my dad's brother-in-law is our bobcat mechanic. Okay. Um, so the, there's been some relatives that yeah, way. Yeah, there's still but a I lot have no, of family, but... Yeah, yeah, not, not immediate family, but um, I have no siblings that are in a dealership. I have one sister. She's married to a farmer locally. So no, okay. it's just me. Do you have any kids? I do. I have two girls. Uh, my wife, Kim, and I have two girls... Marin is nine and Adley is seven. Do they spend any time around here or not? Uh, a little bit. They got their own little candy machine here that they stock. Right. And I guess I don't know how quite how that works. We buy the candy and they get the money. But... Right. And they they fill it and take the food back. <laughs> That's about right. Yeah. It's yeah. A good but it's a good experience out. for them. Yeah. Yeah. They're too young to know if they'll be in, in the business to... at this point. Yeah. Probably, right? Yeah. You know, they're they're definitely girls. Yeah. Which is good. You never know Yeah. if they marry somebody that is interested in the line or themselves, you know, right. they, there's nothing says they can't be here either. They're, they're the opportunities there if they want it. We'll see how things go in see how 10 things years go. or yep. so. <laughs> yeah. Check back in. Right. What's something that like you hope for, for the future of the dealership? Well, just some of the hurdles because we're in pretty rural area, you know, help is going to be a, a concern going forward and that, and that's with anybody just to find good good help. You know, and that that's going to be the major factor how things go from here on out. What's the the competitive market around you guys like, you know, how close is the next dealership and Well, we have a John Deere dealer in Madison and and that's part of a multi-store group and then we have Case fairly close. Okay. And New Holland. Okay. Um in this county alone we have three dealerships. A, a Deere, an Agco, New Holland. And they're all competitors. Right. Yep. Because most of our business goes to the West, it, it's tight. What's your customer base like and how has it changed kind of over the, the years? Uh, like age or distance, size of the operation? What type of customers are there? So, you know, what are they growing? Most what? of our, our customers are cash grain okay. farmers. I don't know how it all breaks down percentages, but yeah. it's, it's a really, really high percentage. Okay. Corn, soybeans. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's one thing that really has changed since I was a young kid is, you know, we used to stock grinder mixers, manure spreaders, mm-hmm. anything to do with livestock. We probably catered more to those okay. guys. And uh, since then, it's the it's a complete turnaround. And the livestock industry has changed too. It's not right. as labor intensive as it used to be. Yeah. Either. When do you think that kind of had gone away you know was it a slow I would say it was or? the mid 80s for whatever reason what's one of your favorite memories as a kid at the dealership 
favorite memories at the dealership? I don't know if I really have an in, uh, one that really stands out. Uh, there's been a lot of good memories, I yeah. guess. You know, when you, uh, I, I would say what I enjoy most about the dealership now and when I was growing up is when you make a connection with a customer, mm -hmm. sell them a piece of equipment, whatever it is, and then a year down the road, you see it working in the field yeah. and, you, and you know they're happy with it. You know, that's probably the most satisfying thing about yeah. what I do. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably uh, just that alone. Yeah. Yeah, okay. numerous times. Yeah, that's got to be nice to see. To yeah. see it still out there. And Yep. And then when you hear conversations about how so-and-so really likes what he bought. And, yeah. And, and that's, our best, that's our best advertising, you yeah. know, it's word of mouth. What do you think the biggest lesson or the most important thing you've learned from your dad and your uncle and maybe even your grandpa because you were yep. kind of around while, while he was still here? Yeah, you know, and it, for any of us, I don't think it's been hard to do, but just be honest, you know, uh, treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. You know, that's, I, I know that seem, seems kind of simple, but I know when I walk into a, whether it's a car dealership or any store, of any kind, I pay attention mm -hmm. to to how you get treated, and and if there's a if there's something you can learn from another store of some kind, you know, you pick up on that stuff because makes you feel good. Yeah. So then you kind of implement it yourself, and and if you have bad experiences, you can learn from them too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think just treat people as you're one of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I I would say that, and I think for my grandpa. My uncle and my dad, I think that's came pretty easy for all of us. How was um, working kind of side by side with your dad? How's that experience been for you? <laughs> well, thankfully, we're not a lot alike, but, you know, and there was a time where all four of us were in the dealership okay. um, pretty much every day. And, and uh, I think what was been kind of unique about us is we all had our jobs and we never micromanaged each other. So we, we put a lot of trust in each other. And I think that helped our, our relationship over the years. I mean, we just, Dennis does the parts. He knows what he's doing. Leave him alone. Same with, you know, when my dad and I were selling, we both maybe had a little different style, but it was both effective and, and we just never got on each other about it. Yeah. So I think we just, because we all knew our jobs, we didn't uh, question each other, mm -hmm. and that's why we got along as well as we did. Yeah, yeah, that's good because it could go. It, it yeah, it could go very much the other yeah, way. Yeah, and I and I've seen it in in these family farms, you know, uh, uh, father sons. You know, it doesn't always go that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but here, all in all, it's went pretty smooth. I don't remember ever being many blowout fights, or you know, we might have had some disagreements, but we moved on. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Which is what you would have done if it wasn't your dad and uncle and grandpa. You exactly. would have had a disagreement and moved on. So right. that's, right. that's yeah. a good way to, yeah. to do it. We'll get back to the Lunt Implement story in a minute. But first I wanted to say thanks to HBS Systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's equipment dealership management systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. Now back to the story of Lund Implement and how the business and its customers have changed over the last several decades. 
We talked a little bit before about kind of how you have some third generation customers. Mm-hmm. How have um, those relationships changed over the years or have they and, you know, having gone from grandpa, dad, and now the son being the decision makers? Well, you know, the fact that cell phones alone are used for just about everything anymore. Yeah. You know, that that in itself has changed. I mean, you never really are off. You're always kind of at work. Yeah. And, and and it's in the busy seasons. It's not all, all year. That part has changed. You know, you're just the communication side of things. Right. Um, you know, the equipment is more complex than it was even 10 years ago. So there's things that come up that, you know, our customers need help with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it isn't wrenches and and tools, it's electronics. So with that being said, you know, there's a lot more communication that way, yeah. you know, uh, figuring things out. Okay. Just because the, the customer anymore doesn't have the resources to figure it out if there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they rely on you more for that. Yeah, that they help do. Now. Yep, and it's nobody's fault. It's just the the way things are. Mm-hmm. Is your grandfather still alive? He he has passed away. Yeah. What do you think he would think of the business today? Well, I think he'd be pretty proud of it. You know, he he was always amazed how things have gotten so big mm-hmm. compared to when he was selling selling equipment. You know. WD-45 was his bread and butter tractor when he first started selling, you know, and that was 45 horsepower. Now we don't hardly sell a tillage tractor under 500 horsepower. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be just amazed at how things have gotten so big, the the capacity of combines, you know, compared to when he was doing it. Um, and then just the fact that everything is still here intact, mm-hmm. um, doing well. Um, I think I think he'd just be proud of that. Yeah. Okay. And when um, have have the product lines you guys have sold mm-hmm. shifted over the years? You know, obviously you're not an Alice Chalmers dealer anymore. No, but, you know, but... and throughout all the mergers, you know, and I think that tells a lot about our dealership. You know, we had Alice Chalmers, all the mergers through the '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, we went from Alice Chalmers to Deutsch Alice to to Agco Alice to Agco, and now we're Massey. You know, the, all those guys that we've been selling equipment to for all these years, they stayed with us. Mm-hmm. Even throughout all those, you know, the mid-80s when, you know, to, quite honestly, we didn't probably have the product lines that were equal to the, the industry. Okay. Um, but they stayed with us. And, uh, you know, and all in all, as a Massey dealer, I think it's a pretty well-respected line. You know, and that's been, it's been a good line for us. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and that's great that, you know, you still have those third generation customers who, who right. went through all those changes right. with you and have been loyal yep. through that. And it seems like the, the Massey Red versus the Alice Chalmers Orange, it's more of a universal color. Okay, yeah. So a person with case equipment or even deer equipment, um, a lot of our new Massey sales are to competitive owners. Okay. And I think the fact that whatever name is on it, just the color, it sounds crazy, but it's, it's just more uh, accepted. What is it that's helped you get some of those competitive sales, those conquest kind of sales? I would say it's the, the technology uh, of our tractors. Okay. I'd say our drivetrain is second to none, the efficiency of mm-hmm. it. 
um, on the combine harvesting side of it. We have a, a really a basic combine that has the capacity of anybody else mm-hmm. with not near the upkeep. The last three years, we've had extremely wet conditions. Our gleaner combines will go where nobody else can uh, just because they, they're not so heavy. They're, they're very balanced and very they're lightweight for what they are. So that's opened a lot of eyes to our customers. How do you think the types of challenges the dealership has on a day-to-day basis have changed over the years? You know, your biggest headache today, how does that compare to whatever the, you know, your dad's biggest headache was in Um, the 70s or 80s? The biggest headache today, I don't know if there really is a big headache. are you talking just gen, just yeah. general or? Yeah, just general kind of like challenges for the business kind of thing. You know, I would say probably the biggest challenges as a single store dealership, maybe not having the inventory of used. Okay. Like a multi-store yeah. group does. You know, that's, a, that's one challenge. You know, I don't know if there's any major headaches really. So the other dealerships in Madison are part of these large multi-store organizations which I imagine they were not always, it was not always a no, no, one of those stores. How has that, as they were acquired, impacted you guys or has it at all? I don't think it really has. Okay. No, I really don't think it has. Okay. Um, you know, the deer dealer in town, you know, they run a good dealership. Their employees haven't really changed. So the face of the dealership hasn't changed much. It's just the name on the, on the building. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's changed much okay. for us. I think it's maybe even brought some more opportunities for us. And that would be well, customers who didn't Not a, Not switch. all customers have bought into it. Okay. Yeah, but we've lost some because of it too. Okay. Just because of inventory availability and, right. and things like that. So it's a give and take. Yeah. I mean, so in the end, it, I don't know that it's really affected us much. Okay. How big is your um, trade area? area? Trade area, yeah. On a consistent basis, we probably 75 mile radius. Okay. Yep. And we've got some customers that are outside of that. Okay. And they're primarily combine customers okay. um, that have been buying combines from us for a long time and and continue to do so. And and uh, um, other than that, most of it's seventy about a seventy five mile radius. Okay. Is there a difference? You had said earlier that you know part of your your territory is in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in who you're? the type of customers you have in South Dakota versus? Our South Dakota customers are probably a little bit more livestock. Okay. You know, mindset. Okay. Um, They have cattle, a lot of them do. Um, So that opens up our hay equipment lines, Mm -hmm. um, loader tractors, things like that. Um, Other than that, they're they're sort of the same. Okay. Yep. But they they have more livestock to the West but still generally the same kind of makeup of. Yeah, yeah. And um, from a, a size standpoint, what's you know kind of average acres for your customers? I would say our average acre acreage farmer is around that 2,000 acres. Okay. Yep. We have some less and some considerably more, but on average, that's about the average okay. size. How has this year been going for them? You know, did they... Did it seem like most still got something planted? Did in our county, I think we had fifty thousand acres that did not get planted. Did not okay. Which I think is about fifteen percent, from what they tell me. Uh, 
their insurance kind of covered them on those acres that they didn't get planted, which is good. You know, the, the crops that did get planted, it kind of remains to be seen. Yeah. You know, they're, they're behind, but in this week alone, they've, they've been pushed with the warmer temperatures. Okay. Um, it looks like we're going to escape the frost, the early frost. That was a big if yeah. on our corn, especially. I think all in all, our year is, is started out really slow. But even it, just in the last month, it's picked up. Okay. We're catching up just because they can kind of see what they're going to end up with. Yeah. Has um, that helped their attitude? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We're still going to fight the mud, though, uh, as we have the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So it, we, won't be, we won't be done with everything by Thanksgiving okay. this year, I'm sure. If there's a bright side is they don't have to deal with it in, during harvest. Okay. If it does get dry, they'll probably do some sort of fall tillage okay. on them. Um, and that was the big reason why we were so behind to start this year is we didn't get all our tillage done last year. Right. Yeah. Um, we're far enough north where we ha seems like we have to do something. Yeah. To, to get a little black dirt on top. Yeah. Let things yep. mm -hmm. dry out a little. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And we had a late winter. I think at this, in Madison here, we had 20 inches of snow the 15th of April this year. And it takes a long time for 20 inches of snow to it melt. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Unless you suddenly get really warm and then you have a flood and that's yeah, just we as were, much of a problem we were probably. Wet, we were wet and, and to put that on top of it, it just pushed everything out into the middle of May Yeah. before we even thought about starting. Okay. Yeah. How's that impacted you, your business at all? That's why we didn't sell anything. The first six months of the year is yeah. just people didn't even know what they were going to do, if they were going to plant, if they were going to get anything by the end of the year. Yeah. So that's the main reason why we started off so slow. Yeah. Yeah. Have things picked up for you guys? They have. Now? They have. Yeah. Was, how was parts and service business though in that first half? Was that still? That kind of was pretty flat. Okay. Compared that to the year too. before. So, which was good. And our service department has done a good job. We've we've been able to keep very busy okay yep any any sort of outlook at this point for 2020 or is it this there's still so much unknown left in this year i'm optimistic okay yep you know you hear news reports that maybe we'll get this tariff thing figured out i think there's going to be a you know the the year-end stocks of mm -hmm. corn and soybeans i think are going to be lower okay than what they're even anticipating you know between that and there was some opportunities earlier this year for these customers of ours to market some grain. Yeah. Um, if they had some old crop. No, I think I think year end could be real good and I think next year could be even better. Yeah. Good. You gotta be optimistic. Thanks so much to Chris Lund for taking the time to sit down and share his story with us. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lessetermedia.com. You can subscribe to the podcast via Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you're alerted as soon as new episodes are made. Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one -on -one conversation with Chris Lund. Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt, signing out of the Our Dealer Story Podcast.